I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Grab a mic, spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that B to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short dog, that's Business and Buckets fam, we are live, episode 130 on this beautiful Thursday afternoon before Cinco de Mayo weekend, and we have a full slate of MMA, recover, um, recapping some UFC action last weekend, an amazing UFC uh, pay-per-view card going down at Madison Square Garden this weekend, bantamweight showdown, and other things going across the MMA world. Uh, but before we talk sports and MMA, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at the Business and Buckets podcast, and that is Fueled Supplements. So I don't know about you guys, but being sore after workouts is something I don't look forward to, especially when I'm getting back into a routine. So that's why I'm thankful for my family over at Fueled Supplements for supplying me with an all-essential product to con- combat muscle soreness, increasing recovery time so I can get back to the gym faster, feeling great. And I absolutely love their essential amino acid, BCA, and hydration formula called Comeback. It's a plant-based fermented essential amino acids and BCAs paired with a complete hydration complex, including coconut water and pink Himalayan salt and electrolyte balance. I'll tell you guys what, um, I just got to go to advanced jujitsu, been getting my butt kicked, being sore, helping this recover. I'm a believer. Their new flavors are just out of this world delicious. My favorite flavor is the sour gummies, so don't take my word for it. Go to FueledSupplements.com. Use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. Promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. And again, preaching the same old tune, same old song and dance. If you're trying to get that summer bod, you're looking at getting some supplements, go to the website, help small local business versus going into GNC and helping the corporations. I know for myself right now, I've been doing some hiking. Uh, It's about to be super hot here in the desert where you really don't have a window to do anything unless it's really, really early in the morning. And I'm still getting up early in the morning to do my hiking. I've been exploring Sedona. Um, You know, I have Antelope Canyon in the background, some of the beautiful desert scenery out of here. Did my first hike, got to see up Banyantan Canyon, the, the cave up there. Uh, really cool scenery. It's just like mesmerizing and mind-blowing. Every turn, corner, uh, uh, you know, every little nook and cranny of viewing there. Plan on doing a couple more hikes before it's too hot. And uh, that gets me sore as well. So I've been using uh, Comeback for quite some time. It definitely helps um, with some of that um, galactic acid buildup. So busy weekend, like I said, last weekend hiking, getting ready for the rebrand making it official, putting it into the atmosphere. It is the beginning of May. At the beginning of June, we will officially go live with the Business and Buckets. Uh, rebrand, two separate podcasts, one MMA only, one business. Uh, plenty of business episodes ready to be released. I've been waiting to do this. So it'll happen the week of uh, June 6th and 7th as uh, there will be a podcast on the 30th and th- or 31st. So it gives us another week. So June 6th, 7th, we'll be launching this sucker. We're going all in, getting active, 
post it on socials a lot more. And uh, we're going to have some fun with this thing. You know, this weekend, I'm looking towards the card. I, I, I bought it on pay-per-view because I might not be able to watch it live. Uh, one of my good friends from Montana, shout out my boy, Kyron Ursua. He's been doing his freestyle motocross uh, circuit since last year. As a kid, grew up going to his house. He'd always be messing around with his dirt bike, doing tricks. Here he is living his dreams, doing what he wants to do. And uh, he gets to travel the country and put on some shows. Just started landing some backflips. He'll be doing flips sooner than later. But he's going to be at Salt in Salt Lake City for the Monster Jam this weekend. I believe it's at the University of Utah Stadium. Beautiful stadium right in the mountains. So I'm super hyped up to be able to uh, go see him do his thing. And uh, might get some of those guys on the business episodes that are running that. Um, and, and hear their story. It's a very niche thing that, that they're doing. But again, you, you have a friend that you grew up with. Uh, they're, they're out there living their dreams. You got to go support them. So I want to go support them and see him uh, uh, show out in front of the people. We have quite a list of action happening outside the UFC this weekend, but a lot of stacked fights that have been announced as well. So we're going to jump right into it. We got Maxim Grishin versus Felipe Linz on the June 3rd card. That should be a fight night card. Uh, two guys, scrappy, really could use a win at this point in their career, so that's going to be a fun fight. Um, some fights that have broken down. You know, these, these fights are getting announced so early. A lot of the times it's a verbal agreement. They're not even paperwork signed a long ways out when, before they're officially getting announced. Well, Divison Figueredo was not medically cleared to fight Manel Kopp for International Fight Week. So Manel Kopp looking for a new opponent. Juliana Pena, broken ribs, out against uh, Amanda Nunez. Honestly, I, I thought it was going to be Irene Aldana anyway. So here she gets Irene Aldana. New faces, I'm all for it for a new fight and not having to, you know, run it back with Pena right out the gates. Um, and Bryce Mitchell hurt his back or shoulder this week. He was even in the embedded episodes um, against Movsar Evloev. He gets a guy making his UFC debut this weekend instead. Really wish we could have saw Bryce Mitchell in the octagon, but as they say, it is what it is. Um, another injury sub out. Jack Hermanson out of his fight against Brendan Allen. So insert Bruno Silva, who just came off a nice win, and that is on the UFC on ABC card in Jacksonville on June 24th. That card's really getting built out and looking quite nice, uh, but excited to see Brendan Allen and Bruno Silva. Uh, another banger of a fight. We got Rafael Dos Anjos, Vicente Luque, July 15th, main event, five-rounder. RDA loves those five rounds. We got Max Griffin versus Michael Morales, July 1st. Jai Herbert versus Ferris Ziam. That's going to be in the O2 London card, July 22nd. Another London card fight. We have Davey Grant versus Daniel Marcos. We're getting Tim Elliott back. It's been a little while to see the, the veteran flyweight scrap. He's taking on Victor Altamirano, June 3rd. Another fun bantamweight scrap, local MMA lab, Mario Batista. Biggest fight of his career against Cody Garbrandt, August 19th. We got Neil Magny, Phil Rowe. What a scrap that's going to be, June 24th, uh, ABC card in Jacksonville. Uh, announced just earlier today, Jamie Malarkey versus Garam Kutataladze, June 3rd. 
Can't wait to see Kuta Taladze back in there. Uh, some more Jacksonville action. We got Gregory Rodriguez. Robocop is back against Dennis Tululian. Randy Brown, Wellington Terman, also in Jacksonville. ABC card June 24th. And then Andre Arlovsky, the legend, taking on Dontel Mays June 3rd. And lastly, Mark DeCasey taking on Joel Alvarez at the O2 for the July 22nd London card. So how about that fight action? Your boys fired up. Lots of big fights being announced. Now, uh, this Saturday, Canelo's boxing as well. But uh, kind of just shows you why the Gervonta Davis fight was so hyped up. He is fighting some dude that I, have, I haven't even heard of him. Um, it, it's kind of ironic. But yeah, he, he's boxing a nobody this weekend. Uh, Chris Cyborg officially res, uh, re-signs with Bellator. So we'll be seeing Chris Cyborg back in action. And then the PFL announced uh, their first um, matchups for June 8th in Atlanta. There's going to be three weeks back-to-back PFL. And we have some good scraps here. We have Brendan Longnane versus Jesus Pinedo. Robert Wilkinson, who just had the nice win, versus Will Fleury. Tiago Santos is taking on Mohamed Fakhreddin. Uh, Movlid Kabulov versus Daniel Torres. Bubba Jenkins, Joe Sungbin. Christoph Jotko versus Ty Flores. Alejandro Flores versus Marlon Marias. And Chris Wade versus Ryoji Kudo. Again, lots of ex-UFC fighters in, in the lineup now, uh, making PFL a little bit of spicy fun as they're trying to get points for the playoff. And then we had an awesome BKFC card this weekend, uh, past weekend. Honestly, I feel like it took a lot of the thunder from what had happened in the UFC card this week. Um, there were some fun fights. Mike Perry defeating Luke Rockhold. Taking it to him, showing him what BKFC was all about. Chipped a tooth, messed up his face. That was that in the main event. And Chad Mendez going out like a motherfucking soldier. Eddie Alvarez defeating Chad Mendez. Last fight of his career. Chad Mendez officially hangs it up. I mean, these guys went after it every single round. Brutality. You know, this is really a, a man's man sport. And as uh the underground king himself, Eddie Alvarez, says, you know, this is for the real gamers. This is for the real fight, uh, you know, lovers to be a part of this sport. And, uh, yeah, they, they put on a show, man. Chad Mendez almost knocked him out right at the buzzer at the very end of the last round. Oh, man, what a, what a finish that would have been. But Eddie Alvarez, you know, Chad was fighting up, fighting a guy that's quite a bit bigger than him. But we look at Chad Mendez's career. I mean, this is a guy legendary career in the UFC outside the UFC. And I think his big moment was the Conor McGregor fight. Uh, Conor was completely gassed. He, I I felt like he kind of got lucky in that fight. And, uh, you know, if he would have won that fight, where would his career gone from there? The, you know, the, the guy that's always posted on Instagram, the hunting, uh, eating meat, you know, what, what, what a guy I would love to have a beer with Chad Mendes or have him on the podcast one day. Uh, but he had defeated the guys like Cub Swanson in the WEC. He came from the WEC when the light uh, weight classes came from the WEC and absorbed into the UFC. He beat Ronnie Yaha, lost to Jose Aldo um, for the featherweight championship, beat Darren Elkins, beat Clay Guida, Nick Lentz, 
uh, rematched against uh, Jose Aldo and lost via unanimous decision in Rio de Janeiro. But that was a fight of the night, fight of the year back in 2014. Beat Ricardo Lamas, lost to Conor McGregor, Frankie Edgar, beat Miles Jersey, lost to Volkanovski, fight of the night in 2018. Um, went elsewhere to do his thing. Little BKFC. Uh, what a legend Chad Mendes is, one of the OG wrestlers and studs um, in mixed martial arts. And he put on a motherfucking show, man, this weekend against Eddie Alvarez at BKFC. If you get two guys that are down to just freaking scrap it out, it, it makes for a fun time. After the main event, you know, Connor's there pretty much front row facing off with Mike Perry, probably a little bit of booger sugar. Who knows what's going on in Connor McGregor's world. He ain't fighting, you know, uh, in the UFC anytime soon. The Ultimate Fighter is coming out, I believe, at the end of this month. Meanwhile, you have his opponent um, out there working out, putting the work in. He's out there celebrating, tuning up, drinking proper 12 at the BKFC fights. What a world we live in. But uh, Christine Freya beat Beck Rawlings for the championship bout. And then Big Ben Rothwell. I didn't even realize he was fighting on the card. Defeats Josh Watson, calls for the title fight. Another amazing scrap. You know, I'm going to tune into BKFC if we have some big names like that and they're throwing down like that. But I would assume a lot of the fights end up like the Mike Perry fight where it just doesn't quite play out. And uh, I'm sure Luke Rockhold's had enough of that ish. Uh, but this weekend, some other fights that are going down outside of UFC that I'm super stoked about. One championship's first um, US-based fight night card. One fight night 10 in Denver, Colorado. This Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard. The main event, potentially Mighty Mouse's last fight. One of the GOATs, top five all time, no doubt. Demetrius Johnson versus Adriano Marias three. Marias won the first one. Mighty Mouse took the second. It's all on the line. Rod Tang is taking on Edgar Tabarez in a Muay Thai fight for the Flyweight Championship. In the much-awaited return of Sage Northcutt, as he takes on Ahmed Mujaba. Uh, uh, some fun fights to happen on Friday right before the UFC action. But before we talk about this awesome pay-per-view card, which uh, these, these past few fight night cards, man, I've been fiending for a stacked card, a nice pay-per-view card. Um, we're going to talk about UFC fight night, Las Vegas 72. I went 4-2 and two in my picks on this card. We didn't cover a lot of the fights as they were just pretty lopsided or... Just not enough uh, of knowledge on the fighters for me to really break them down. But uh, we had Irina Alexiva with a first-round submission over Stephanie Edgar, the heavy, Edgar, the, the heavy favorite. She got that knee bar, one of those crazy submissions. You get it, you get it. Um, didn't, the fight didn't get to play out very long. Marcus McGee, a guy who's been fiending in the MMA lab for a big moment, takes a fight on three days' notice. And submits Journey Newsom via rear naked choke in round two. Big shots, sits him down quick. Uh, we had Cody Durden, unanimous decision over Charles Johnson. Big win for Cody Durden. And then brutal day for Julian Arosa as he gets TKO'd in the first round by Fernando Padilla. But we're going to kick it off right in the main card. We had Marcos Rogeria de Lima with the unanimous decision over Waldo Cortez Acosta. How about them names? Salsa Boy uh, wasn't able to salsa much. 
this fight's pretty plain and simple. Waldo, if you look at his tape in the his few UFC fights that he's had, you know, he comes from a boxing background. You chop those legs out, it could be deadly. Well, Marcos went straight for some big time calf kicks. And honestly, like the second kick, it looked like he fucked up Waldo's leg. He couldn't put any pressure on there. It's going to change the, the the entire fight. And he was just hammering those kicks in the first round, landing some shots. Round two, round three, he stopped throwing the leg kicks, which was a little bit surprising. He was just grinding up on him on the cage, getting takedowns, and really just going for the victory. A very veteran move by Marcos. Uh, he landed 76 total strikes. 59 of those were significant. He had three takedowns, although seven attempts. And Waldo landed 88 total strikes, 82 of those significant. Was 0 for 1 in takedown attempts. But again, clearly he won round 1, round 2, up against the cage, landed some strikes, got the takedown. I, I don't even remember round 3. It's just interesting to see Waldo's total strikes throughout the fight were actually higher. But man, those kicks damn near ended the fight. I was a little surprised Marcos didn't want to get that finish with the leg. Uh, but Marcos extends his winning streak to two. He's an impressive four and one since the beginning of 2021. And Waldo suffers his first pro loss. He has his nine fight winning streak come to an end. He is three and one in the UFC. So I would love to see Marcos little step up, take on the black beast, give him Derek Lewis. That'd be a fun scrap. And for Waldo, how about Justin Taffa? Two hard hitters going at it. That would be a fun matchup. That's the fight to make happen. And then we had the grappling legend Rodolfo Vieta with a second round submission via arm triangle choke over Cody Brundage. Performance of the night. And round one, Cody Brundage was looking pretty solid. You know, making his moments was definitely uh, showcasing that he was the faster, more crisp, crisp striker than Rodolfo. And Rodolfo got a quick takedown in round two. And, and, and that spelled trouble for Cody. I mean, he was able to make quick work, found a way to get in submission um, situation right up against the cage, and, and he got the tap. It only took Rodolfo 30 total strikes. Ten of those were significant. He only had one takedown, though, big takedown, but in seven attempts. So Cody definitely did his you know best for uh, defending that in round one. And then he had two submission attempts. Cody had 41 total strikes, 20 of those significant had a submission attempt of his own and one knockdown that came out early in the first flurry of strikes looked like Rodolfo uh, might be out of there and was able to tough it out and last till round two. And uh, what a turn of events, man. I wasn't mad about it. Um, Rodolfo starts a new winning streak. He is two and two since the beginning of 2021. Cody extends his losing streak to two. He's two and two since the beginning of 2022. Now I'd love to see the grappling um, expertise of Rodolfo take on Mahmoud Muradov. And I think for Cody, he could square up against Julian Mar Marquez. Those would be great scraps. Uh, interesting to see where, where Rodolfo goes from here. Kind of lucked his way into this victory, if you ask me. And then we had Caio Baraldo with a second round submission via rear naked choke over Michael Olekasut. Olekasjuk. Jeez, you look at the name and it throws you off because it sounds different. And I know how to pronounce it, but when I read it, it just ruins it for me. Olekashuk. Uh, but this was a performance of the night. 50K bonus. Braljo just looking like a beast in the UFC, man. Really has just made the fights, uh, you know, his style, his version, and has really dominated. 
Um, I thought he looked really impressive. In the post-fight interview, he was saying he has some one of the best double legs in the UFC. I think that's a pretty bold statement, but he does mix in his grappling and striking very brilliantly. He's aggressive. He doesn't doubt himself. You know, when it comes to wrestling, the takedowns are a little bit different than in the UFC. With the gloves, you have the cage. There's a lot of different things that help these guys defend the takedowns. You got to sell out for it. And that's what he's talking about is double leg. He sells out for it. You know, if he goes behind the legs, doesn't get it, he's going to take another shot for you. Try to get you up against the cage. Lock those hands. Get the takedown. Um, Baralho landed 52 total strikes. 34 of those were significant with three takedowns and six attempts. And Michael landed 30 total and significant. He was 0 for 1 in takedowns himself. And this guy throws hard. He throws some big-time shots. You know, he could definitely catch people, but you get the guys that can mix in the grappling. That's not going to be to his advantage. But he landed some big shots. I mean, all 20 strikes were significant. You know, um, Kyle actually ended up outstriking him. But, uh, you know, he's a high-quality opponent. This was a high-quality win for Baraljo. I can't wait to see what he does next. He extends his winning streak to 13. He is an, a 5-0 and in the UFC. And Michael has his two-fight winning streak come to an end. He starts a new losing streak of his own. So Kyo had called out for Derek Brunson. He's been calling out for him quite a bit. Um, I could definitely see that happen if he wants to fight short-term here in the summer. Uh, Derek hasn't fought for a couple months. And um, Jack Hermanson just had to pull out. I don't know what his injury is or what his time frame is. But if it isn't going to be an early summer fight, maybe a Jack Hermanson fight. But he's definitely ready for a top 15 opponent. I'm ready to see that action. And for McCall, how about Albert Duraev? That would be a banger. Another guy that has a little bit of grappling. He's going to have to work on that. But a guy that uh, sometimes will sit there and clang and bang as well. Then the uh, week removed uh, kind of short-term main event of the fight night, the Bantamweight Showdown. If you don't know about Sangi Dong, now you know. Round 5 TKO over a very good Ricky Simone. Performance of the night, 50 Gs. And you look at these guys' last few fights. They've been on a tear. It was a hard fight to predict, but I just figured that Song Dong was going to outclass Ricky on the feet. He has good takedown defense. He, he trains at ATT. Uh, you would just think it would be a good mix. For Ricky, you figured the path to victory would be he's got to be relentless with his takedowns. And he wasn't at all. Um, he, he did not let the grappling speak for itself. He tried to strike. He wanted to show people that he could strike with the best of them. But Song's a dog, man. The first round, definitely they were filling each other out. Round two, he started taking control. And then from there, it was all Song's fight. Um, Song is so smooth with the counter left uh, hooks. He's, he's got a nice one too, a strong jab. And he was just picking Ricky apart. And it, it was bound to come to a conclusion. Uh, but a huge win, a massive win for Song Yadong. And he is so young, it is crazy to believe the experience he has. He is just of May 2nd, so he just turned 25 years old. That's even wilder. Maybe he turned 26, and this isn't updated. Oh, no, that's not even his right birthday. His birthday's in December. So he is 25. He turns 26 in December. Um... Battled with Corey Sanhagen, had beaten Marlon Marias, Julio Ars, Casey Kenny, beaten Marlon Vera back in the day. And I mean, that was in 2020, three years ago. He's like 22. Uh, has beat Ricky Simone, 
I mean, he's fought some of the best competition. He knows where he stands. That's huge for the mental game. And I was just overly impressed. And I, I figured this fight could have went either way. I am not surprised that uh, Song won. I picked him, obviously. Uh, but God damn, he looks flawless. His boxing and striking is going to go a long ways. And even as Uriah Faber said, like I do see him as a champion. No doubt about it. Song landed 110 total strikes. 105 of those were significant. He did have two take uh, two knockdowns. And Ricky landed 64 total, 60 significant. So you could see even when they were striking, he just couldn't put up the combinations and volume. Usually Ricky's the guy pushing the pace in the center of the octagon. After a couple big shots, I think Ricky just felt the power of Song. Is like, okay, this guy hits different. And uh, Song was kind of walking him down and, and controlling the center of the octagon throughout the fight. Um, Ricky did have two takedowns, although nine attempts, so not very good. Uh, improved takedown defense to add to the well-rounded game of Song. So Song starts a new winning streak. He is 4-2 and two since the beginning of 2021. He moves up one spot in the rankings to number seven. And Ricky ends his five-fight winning streak, starts a new losing streak, and stays at number 10 in the rankings. Where do these guys go next? For me, Song versus Rob Font. That's the banger we all want. I hope that happens. And for Ricky, how about a dance with Chris Gutierrez, another guy that was in the top 15. I think he still is, actually. Recently took a tough loss against a veteran. That would be a great matchup. And again, pretty shallow card. Only broke down a few fights for a reason. But this weekend, that is not the case. UFC 288 in New Jersey. We have some awesome fights uh, that we're not going to break down. But Zalgas Zumagalov is fighting at flyweight against Rafael Estevam. Parker Porter fights Braxton, Braxton Smith, who is making his debut. But we're kicking off this preview in the early prelims. You know about that pay-per-view? You got early prelims before the prelims. We got Phil No Hype Haas, the 34-year-old fighter with a 12-4 and record, taking on Ikram Aliskarov, the 30-year-old fighter with a 1-0 and pro record. Now, this is going to be a fun matchup of two Dana White Contender Series alums. Ikram obviously making his UFC debut. Phil is trying to get that winning momentum back. Phil has been around. He's done the Contender Series. He is an athletic freak, a striking machine. And Ikram, obviously, they think highly of him at 30 years old, just entering his prime, giving him a high-quality opponent. And he's actually the Vegas favorite, which shocks me. I was looking at his sure dog, trying to figure out you know, where that's coming from. Um, but Phil, this is kind of a lose-lose you know, fight for him. He's got to show out. He's got to get the win. Um, Phil has a wrestling background. He trains at a Killcliff FC with all those dogs. He's got a brown belt in BJJ. He wrestled at Iowa State and won Juco Gold in 2009 at Iowa Central Community College. I mean, again, he's been around. He's an ultimate fighter, World Series of Fighting, Contender Series two-time alum, and a Bellator alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak. He is 3-2 and two since the beginning of 2021. Eight of his 12 wins are via knockout. Three of his four losses are via knockout. He likes to put on. He's a fan favorite to knock out or be knocked out. Ikram, he's got a Sambo background. He won gold at the European Championships in 2017 and the Russian Sambo Championships in 2013. He trains at a Brave um, CF Eagle FC and Dana White Contender Series. 
and he's on a five-fight winning streak. Again, huge debut for Ikram, a must-win affair for Phil. I think Phil's striking ability has gotten him some high-quality wins in the UFC. I expect his kickboxing to lead him to victory in this fight. He always takes chances. I think those chances are going to pay off. I'm taking the underdog. He's eating. We're taking no hype haws. We putting him on that parlay, and we making that bread. Moving on. In the prelims, we got Marina Rodriguez, the 35-year-old fighter with a 16-2-2 record and the number five next to her name, taking on Virna Karkara Jandaroba, the 34-year-old fighter with an 18-3 record and the number nine next to her name. Now, you know, for this being the prelims, these are some high-quality fights. This is a number five, number nine, quality matchup. And really, this is going to provide the chance for both women to face the top five in the division. Um, A lot of ex-champions at the top of this division. A loss here really derails that progression, especially 34-35. It's kind of one of their last runs for a chance at the top of the division. So a lot at stake. Uh, Marina has a purple belt in BJJ, a dark blue and black tip in Muay Thai. She's a uh, Dana White Contender Series alum. She's on a one-fight losing streak but had a four-fight winning streak before that, and six of her 16 wins are via knockout. Now, Virna has a black belt in BJJ. She has a green-white Prajid in Muay Thai. She is an Invicta alum and former champion. She's on a one-fight winning streak and is 2-1 since the beginning of 2021. 13 of her 18 wins are via submission. Now, Marina is definitely going to have the striking advantage here in my book. Virna might have a slight uh, grappling advantage. I just think Marina is more well-rounded when it comes to MMA. I think she's going to show out with her striking. She might even get another finish to add to her repertoire. She's going to show that she belongs in the top five. She belongs with the best of the best. I'm taking Marina Rodriguez. We're putting her on our parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Chaos the Ox Fighter Williams, 29 years old with a 13-3 record, taking on Rolando the Machine Bedoya, 26-year-old fighter making his UFC debut. Now, we get a few of these on the pay-per-view cards. Usually they're international, but another fighter making his UFC debut and a fighter who's definitely, you know, before he's entered his prime, you know, for granted, but a little bit of a roller coaster of a career this far in the UFC. Chaos has a blue belt in BJJ. He's a King of the Cage alum. He's on a one fight losing streak. He is two and one since the beginning of 2021, and seven of his 13 wins are via knockout. Now, Rolando trains at a shootbox academy, and he's on a 10 fight winning streak. Now, I thought Chaos looked as good as ever in a very, very close split decision fight against Randy Brown. Both of these men are young with a ton of potential. I expect this to be a savage back-and-forth affair, but I'm taking the Ox fighter. I am not putting him on a parlay, but I'm taking him for my pickums. Then we get another scrap. We got the big dogs. We got Kennedy, the African savage, and Shekwu. The 30-year-old fighter with an 11-3 record taking on Devin Brown Bear Clark, the 33-year-old fighter with a 14-7 record. Again, 
This is a banger. It's a matchup between two men in their primes. They've had some success. They're looking to move back into the top 15 rankings of a shallow light heavyweight division. A loss here could be detrimental for both of these guys, even more so for Devin, who's a few years older, Kennedy only 30 years old. Now, Kenny trains out of Fortis MMA. He's a Dana White Contender Series two-time and LFA alum. He has an 8-inch reach advantage and a 6-inch leg reach advantage. He long. He on a two-fight winning streak. He was 2-1 in 2022, and 8 of his 11 wins are via knockout. Devin has a wrestling background. He trains out of Jackson Week MMA. He has a JUCO wrestling background out of Rochester Community College, where he was a two-time champion. He is an RFA alum and former champion, and he's on a one-fight winning streak and was 2-1 in 2022. Three of his seven losses are via knockout as well. Now, I think Kennedy is going to be the longer fighter with more knockout power here, and Devin's definitely been known to strike toe-to-toe with his opponents. When maybe he should have, you know, went to the grappling well. I think Devin's going to mix in his grappling. I think he's going to find a path to victory by tiring out uh, the African savage. But that is if he doesn't, you know, get a little bit of ego, gets reckless on his feet. But I am taking Devin Clark. Let's see, is he the underdog? I think he's the underdog. At plus 140 to- uh, uh, plus 142 odds, we're taking a couple dogs. They're coming to eat. Ho, ho, we're taking Devin Clark. We putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. You got to watch out for that freaking reach, though. Eight-inch reach. Woo! I don't even think I broke down Devin. Well, Devin, we'll do this quickly, has a wrestling background. He trains out of Jackson Week MMA. He has a JUCO wrestling background out of Rochester Community College. He was a two-time champion. He is an RFA alum and former champion. He's on a one-fight winning streak and was 2-1 and one last year in 2022. Three of his seven losses are via knockout. So he's, you know, tended to be knocked out. Again, Kennedy, longer fighter, more knockout power. Um, I, I just think Devin uh, is going to find a way, and I thought he looked better in his last fight. Potential fight of the night here, though. What a fight. Um, Did this get put to the... I gotta look. This fight should be on the fucking main card. I can't believe this one, is it? I know they switched up the order because of some pullouts. Let's see. This fight is not on the main card. It's a prelim headliner. Such a shame. But I guess if you're not paying for the pay-per-view, it might be a win. So we're getting a big-time prelim showdown. And this is not his nickname, but I'm giving it to him. We got Drew the Crimson Chin Dober, 34 years old with a 26-11 and 11 record, and the number 14 next to his name, taking on Matt the Steamroller Frivola, 32 years old with a 10-3-1 record. Now, you want to talk about a banger. This is going to be one hell of a fight. Both men coming off great performances, They're in their primes in New Jersey, a ton at stake in this fight. And when we break it down, Drew trains at an elevation fight team. He has a brown belt in BJJ. 
a black belt in Taekwondo. Five of his last seven fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. Talk about putting on a fucking show. He's tied with Dustin Poirier for the most knockouts in UFC lightweight history with eight of them dangs. He's the 2022 round of the year against Terrence McKinney, which was savage. He's a Titan FC and Bellator alum. He has a five-inch leg reach advantage. He's on a three-fight winning streak, and 13 of his 26 wins are via knockout. Now Matt trains with Aljo out of the Sierra Longo fight team. He has a brown belt in BJJ. He's a Dana White Contender Series, Titan FC, and World Series of Fighting alum. He's on a two-fight winning streak, and two of his three losses are via knockout. Both men have thrived in chaos. They live in chaos. For example, Matt has either finished or been finished in his last three fights, and the same with Drew. I believe Drew is the more polished striker, but I would not be surprised if Matt tried to grapple Drew, as that's definitely helped the opponents to a a path to victory. Um, I do think Drew's going to uh, attack early. Someone's going to feel someone's power. That's going to be detrimental. I'm taking the crimson chin. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the main card. We got Charles Air Jordan, the 27-year-old fighter with a 13-6-1 record, taking on Cron Gracie, the 34-year-old fighter with a 5-1 record. Honestly, I'm surprised that Cron is getting the fight, especially coming off a loss and not getting a win since February of 2019. Uh, Charles is coming off a couple tough losses, but against high-quality opponents that has boosted his stock of late. Now, Charles is a black belt in BJJ. He's on a two-fight losing streak, but is 3-3 since the beginning of 2021. Eight of his 13 wins are via knockout. Now, Kron has a BJJ background. He has a black belt in BJJ and judo. I mean, he's a Gracie after all. He got gold in the 2013 ADCC World Championships. He won gold in the 20, uh, 2009 European Championships and also has multiple bronzes. He's a Risen alum. He's on a one-fight losing streak, and five of his five wins are via submission. Now, I have no clue what the heck Kron has been doing since 2019. On the Embedded today, he talked about COVID, uh, moving, things like that. All I know is Charles isn't even in his prime yet. He slugged it out with the likes of Nathaniel Wood, Shane Burgos. He's a very skilled kickboxer with a non-typical striking attack. As long as he can avoid the takedown and play the submission attempt game because he is a black belt himself, I expect Air Jordan to get back on track. I'm taking Charles. We putting him on that parlay, and we getting that bread. Then the short notice fill-in, we have Mozar Evloev the 29-year-old fighter with an undefeated 16-0 record and the number 10 next to his name, taking on Diego Lopez, or Lopes, the 28-year-old with an 0-1 pro record. Now, you want to talk about shocking the world, man. Diego, on short notice, could potentially shock the world in New Jersey against a very good undefeated fighter. 
I would have really liked to see Bryce take on Movsar. It is what it is, though. Diego getting a chance and is saving the day. And you got to fight for a reason. Although Movsar is minus 700 with the Vegas odds. Movsar has a wrestling background as he's a master of sport in Greco-Roman. He trains out of American Top Team. He's an M1 alum and former champion with two successful title defenses. He is undefeated on a 16-fight winning streak, is 6-0 in the UFC. Diego is on a two-fight winning streak. He is a Dana White Contender Series alum. Seven of his 20 wins are via knockout, 11 of them via submission, so 18 of his 20 fights are via finish, which is impressive. He is on a two-fight winning streak, and he does have a five-inch leg reach advantage. Kind of funny how that, that plays out. Not much of an arm reach, but a leg reach. I honestly think this is going to be a brutal matchup for Diego. I don't expect that it's going to be a good night for him in front of a huge New Jersey crowd. Again, though, he could play spoiler. He could show out. We'll, we'll see what he's made of after this fight. That's for sure. I think Movistar is going to be too much. I expect an early finish. I would take him and put him on a parlay, but the odds are too big. But we are taking a Vloev in the pickums. Then the next three fights are straight savagery. This is worth the pay-per-view alone. We got Jessica Pateastaka and Draj, the 31-year-old fighter with a 24-10 record and the number four next to her name, taking on Shaunan Fury Yan, the 33-year-old fighter with a 16-3 record and the number six next to her name. I mean, here we're getting the highest-level women fighters that I think are the most savage and aggressive women in all of MMA. The collision of combinations, the flurries of strikes that we're going to see is going to be next level, and I can't wait. Jessica has a black belt at BJJ. She's a former strawweight champion. She's tied for the most finishes in UFC women's strawweight division history with five. She has the most knockouts in women's UFC Strawweight history with three. Most She's tied for the most wins in UFC women's history with 15. She has the most bouts in women's UFC uh, history with 23. She has the most fight of the night bonuses in UFC women's history with four. The most post-fight bonuses at nine. She's been making some bread with bonuses. She's the only woman in UFC uh, history to win a fight in three different weight classes. Last year, she got the first standing arm triangle choke finish in UFC history, which was the 2022 submission of the year against Amanda Lemos. She's on a one-fight losing streak. She's already fought twice this year, one and one in 2023. Nine of her 24 wins are via knockout, eight via submission, 17 of her 24 fights via finish, and four of her 10 losses are via knockout. You want to talk about numbers. She's fighting for the third time in May. She's done everything and everything. The motherfucking Bate Estaca. Golly, she's fun to watch. Meanwhile, Jan trains out a team Alpha Male. She has a blue belt in BJJ. She is on a one-fight winning streak and is 1-2 since the beginning of 2021. And seven of her 16 wins are via knockout. As good as Jan is, I just don't think she is going to be more durable 
and be able to outpace the savage Batea Staka. Not only that, but Jessica's coming off a loss. You know, I, I was shocked. I think Erin uh, Blanchfield shocked the world. But she's got to be more motivated than ever. I highly doubt this is going to go to the judges' scorecards. I'm taking Andrade. She's adding to her resume. We putting her on our parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread. Then we have the co-main event of the evening. We got Gilbert Dorino Burns. The 36-year-old fighter with a 22-5 record and the number four next to his name, taking on Bilal, remember the name, Muhammad, 34 years old with a 22-3 record and the number five next to his name. You want to talk about activity? You want to talk about savagery and beautiful MMA display? Gilbert Burns and Jessica Andrade are doing it for the men and women, man. The fact that Gilbert's taking this fight, we're getting a treat. Boy, oh boy, what a fucking treat we get. And this came together very quickly, not that long ago. Two of the most hungry and hardworking men in all of the UFC going at it, everything on the line for the next title shot in their primes. Gilbert, he's got a BJJ black uh, background with a third degree black belt in BJJ. He trains out of Killcliffe FC. He got bronze in the 2015 ADCC World Championships. He has won gold in the 2010 and 2013 Nogi IBJJF Gold Championships and the uh, 2009 and 2011 gold in Nogi or Gi Worlds as well for IBJJF. Grappling stud, third degree black belt. He's on a two-fight winning streak and is 3-2 since the beginning of 2021. Nine of his 22 wins are via submission. Two of his five losses are via knockout. Bilal has a purple belt in BJJ. He is a former Titan FC alum and former champion. He is also a Bellator alum. He is on a five-fight winning streak, is 14-3-1 in the UFC. And I'm going to be honest, I've doubted Bilal many times. He looked better than he ever did against a very good Sean Brady. He has impressive wins lately. His confidence is at all-time high. And every time he has fought a high-level opponent, um, I just don't think it's gone his way. He had the no contest against Leon Edwards, which I thought Leon was clearly on a path to victory. He's lost to Jeff Neal. He lost his first fight against Vicente Luque. They just haven't gone his way unless he goes straight to grappling, wrestles him, tires him out, and, and takes it from this from there. The problem is Gilbert Burns' game. He, he's good there. There's levels to the sports. You got your Tom Brady's. You got, you know, your Phillip Rivers of the sport. Phillip Rivers is great. We love him. There's levels. I mean, Gilbert Burns is up there, man. I just don't think Bilal is going to be able to grapple his way to victory here. I'm taking Gilbert everywhere, on his back, on top, on their feet, striking, you name it. I'm taking Dorino. I'm putting him on my parlay. Leon Edwards, watch out. We market that ish down, and we getting that bread. Then the bantamweight showdown. Aljamain, as impressive of all the things he's done in the UFC, is first headliner. He's taking on Henry Triple C Cejudo, the 36-year-old fighter with a 16-2 record, taking on Aljamain, the funk master Sterling. 
33-year-old fighter with a 22-3 record and the defending champion. Now, there's a lot to talk about here. I mean, the return of Henry Cejudo against the champion of in the deepest division in the UFC. I think lightweight tit for tat has the best talent, the most marketable people, but the deepest division, the very bottom, which is a deep class of the bantamweight division, is the best of the best. Now, Henry has been ridiculed. He's been called cringy. He doesn't sell a lot of pay-per-views, but he's an Olympic champion with an amazing team, nutritionist strategy, fight IQ. He was coaching John Jones. He was coaching Waylay. I mean, he's done anything and everything at the highest level and has always shown out. I think a lot of him taking time off was due to money. He wasn't getting what he felt he deserved. He said he didn't feel competitive. He'd been dominating. That may well be the case. But uh, he is a father now. He has more at stakes. I've doubted Henry before, and I'm not doing it again. Now, Aljo, he trains out of the Sierra Longo fight team. He has a black belt in BJJ. He has a wrestling background as well. D2 out of Morrisville State College in Cortland, where he was a two-time All-American. He's a Cage Fury uh, um, and Ring of Combat alum and former champion. In Cage Fury, he had three successful title defenses. He had two successful title defenses as a bantamweight champion, and he's tied for the most wins in UFC bantamweight division history with 13. And he's tied with Marab Dwalashwili for the longest win streak in UFC bantamweight division history with eight, his teammate. He had the 2018 submission of the year against Cody Stamen, the 2022 comeback of the year. He's on an eight-fight winning streak, and he has a seven-inch reach advantage. Now, Henry obviously has a wrestling background. He, ha- he trains at a fight ready here in Phoenix. He has a yellow belt in Shotokan Karate. He won gold in the 20, 2008 Beijing Olympics. That's the nickname Triple C. He got the gold in the 06, 07, and 08 Pan American Wrestling Games. He is a former bantamweight and flyweight champion, two-division champion. The seventh multi-division divisional champion in UFC history. And he likes to put on shows as well. Four of his last six fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. In 2018, which really put him on the map, he had upset of the year against Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson. Although he's had the years off, he's on a six-fight winning streak, and eight of his 16 wins are via knockout. Now, I am very impressed with what Aljo has done. I'm probably one of the very few who thought he would beat Pewter Jan at the time. He is battling the bicep injury. He never did take surgery. I think the UFC kind of pressured him into taking this fight sooner. Henry, was he in the USADA pool? Was he not? No one knew if he was taking it seriously. He's here. The weigh-ins are tomorrow morning. As long as those clear, everything's official. It's going to go down. And uh, I just think the level of preparation, teamwork, fight IQ, and the whole lead-up to a fight, these guys are just attacking things differently. Even in the fight, Aljo's kind of a wild man with his striking. He's known to empty the tank. You look at those Pewter Jan fights. 
I expect Henry to attack Aljo's legs like he did against uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson. Get some calf kicks early. I think he mixes in some wrestling takedowns to keep Aljo thinking. I think uh, um, Aljo probably outstrikes Henry. um, But I do think Henry has tighter and more crisp striking ability. Aljo's kind of wild with his combinations, bigger loopy shots. I think Aljo's going to be throwing those big power shots that might tire him out in the later rounds. He brags about how big he is. He's like, look at me. I know, Henry, you're seeing how big I am. And there's definitely a, you know, Henry Cejudo's a true flyweight. We're talking about Aljo, one of the biggest bantamweights in the division, probably should be fighting at featherweight. And I think that's what's helped him at bantamweight is the size. But that tends to gas him out. He's full of muscle. There's no fucking body fat on the guy. And I think Henry knows that, that if you're Henry and your IQ is that high, we got to find a way to gas this guy out. We got to stick. We got to find a way um, to attack his legs so that we could get in closer with our striking because he is so much longer than us. And I think Henry's just going to take advantage of the fight in rounds four and five, those championship rounds. If Aljo's going to win, he's going to have to win early. There's definitely a possibility, but I'm going with triple C. Henry Cejudo uh, claiming the bantamweight championship. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down. And we getting that bread, which would set the stage for a little Phoenix via Phoenix title shot. Sugar Sean O'Malley, Henry Cejudo. Either way, the winner of these guys most likely want to fight Sean before their next moves because Sean's a money fight. You, you win with your Henry. He wants to go to featherweight. Good luck with that. And Aljamain wins against Sean. He wants to go to featherweight as well. Let maybe Mirab have a chance at the title. An amazing card going down this weekend. I'll be in Salt Lake, but either way, I'm paying for it. Watch as much as I can live. If not, watch it later on. But next weekend, we get a deep fight night card that's not at the Apex. Hallelujah. In Charlotte, a 12 p.m. Pacific main card start on ABC so a, a earlier card on, on mainstream TV. The prelims are in the morning at 8.30 Pacific on ESPN. This will be headlined by, by Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Jaelton Almeida. The big dog's going at it. Episode 130, it's May. The rebranding's coming soon. Lots of info in the coming weeks. I'm your host, Shane Gillette. See you next week.